Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. Great to have this opportunity to be able to get together once again, and we do this every day, Monday through Friday, and open up God's Word, dig a little bit deeper, study a little bit further. We really encourage you to continue to listen. If, you're ask, if you have questions, contact us. Ask us those questions. We'll tell you how to contact us at the end of the program today, as we always do. So you can have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and you can jot down that information. Now, you can also receive a free Bible study through the regular mail. And when we say free, we mean exactly that. We'll even take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again, for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready, and then you can jot down that information and contact us. Now, we do exactly, if you're listening for the very first time or one of the first few times, we do exactly as the name Search the Scriptures suggests. We get deep into God's Word. We kind of peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak. But we try to explain what God's Word teaches in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you get to heaven. And we want to help you grow in your faith. We want to help you come closer to God. Well, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as your faith in God grows stronger, then you should be coming closer to God. And our prayer is that you can learn enough that you will make up your mind to come to God all the way, His way, through Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord and Savior, as you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and surrender to Him in baptism, at which point the blood that He shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, and you will be saved. You'll have become a new creation spiritually, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. We pray for you along this line. We want to help you get to heaven, and we really do pray for you. Now, unlike a whole lot of religious broadcasts, we're not here to get your money. We're here to help you get to heaven. We never charge anything for the materials we offer. They're always free. We never ask you for any donations we simply want to help you get to heaven. We encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. You can scroll down the home page, come to the podcast button, click on that, and in about one minute, you can sign up for our podcasting. Now, our website is free also. Tremendous amount of study materials there. And if you sign up for our podcasting, that's free. And then you will automatically receive all radio programs. A lot of people don't have the opportunity because of their schedules to listen every day like they would like to. But if you if you're sign up for our podcasting, you receive every program automatically sent to whatever device that you choose. And it will be automatic and again free. You'll also receive all of our Bible classes and all of our sermons. Again, they'll come to you automatically. So take advantage of that website and that study opportunity and go there and sign up for our podcasting. Now we're going to finish up this particular section of our study on grace. Now we're not finished with our study on grace. That's going to go on for a while. It is a deep subject and we want to look at it from different aspects. But 
we want to finish this particular section today. And that is talking about our response to God's grace. Now, as we've emphasized, there are a whole lot of people who will tell you that all you have to do is believe in God and believe in Jesus. And that's it. That's all there is to it. And God will save you by his grace. Well, we've already seen that that's not true. That comes up short according to what the scriptures teach. Now, can you find verses of scripture like John chapter 3 and verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life? Yes, those verses are there. But if you read further in John chapter 3, and you look at verse 36, you find that there's something that goes with faith. And there, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. You see, obedience goes with real faith, saving faith. We made the comparison between Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, where the Apostle Paul emphasizes the belief, the faith of Abraham in his being counted righteous by God, according to Genesis 15 and verse 6. And we compared that to James in James chapter 2, talking about how Abraham's faith was completed by his works in offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. And James quoted the very same verse, Genesis 15 and verse 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, both of those inspired writers, writing God's very word, one spoke from the aspect of Abraham's faith. The other went a little deeper and talked about what that real faith is and it's obedient faith. Again, we noted a number of passages of scripture in this study that talk about obeying the gospel. 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, uh, verse 17 rather. And Peter talks about if the judgment begins with the household of God, that is the church, true Christians, then what will be the lot of those who have not obeyed the gospel? 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 and 8, talks about the day of judgment again. When, and it talks about when Jesus will be re revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel. Romans chapter 2 and verse 8 talks about the same thing. Those who do not obey the gospel, then indignation, wrath, in other words, the punishment of eternal condemnation will be upon them. And then we also noted in Romans chapter 10 and verse 16, where the apostle Paul said, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. So a whole lot of people, they just discount to a great extent the idea of anything active on our part that we are responsible for doing in order to receive salvation by God's grace. Well, we've, we've really seen over and over and over again that that is wrong. We must come to God 
in faithful obedience. Obedience. Now, let's look at it from one more perspective today as we bring this particular section of our study to a conclusion. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the Hebrews writer refers to Christ in saying that though he were a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Now, why would Jesus need to learn obedience? I think that was for our sake, so that we would recognize that we need to learn obedience. And then the next verse, verse 9 says, and being perfected or made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, if we have to obey him in order to receive eternal salvation or eternal life, then if we do not obey him, we cannot expect that eternal salvation that eternal life. We cannot expect to be forgiven. We cannot expect to be saved by God's grace. God is the one who will save us, and that's all by his grace. But we must come to him for that salvation. And in order to receive that grace his way, and he says, I want you to come in obedience. In John chapter 1 and verse 17, we read this. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now again, a lot of people will take that out of its context and they'll say, see there, there's no, we don't live under law today. That does not say Christ brought all law or even all spiritual law to an end. It says the law was given through Moses. That's simply referring to the Old Testament law of Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came as the ultimate fulfillment of the law that God gave to Moses, dating all the way back to the Exodus, all the way back to Mount Sinai. There has always been spiritual law that God has instructed man to keep, going all the way back to the garden. And when man, that first man and that first woman, disobeyed God's law on abstaining from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God punished them. He drove them out of the garden. They became sinners. And the necessity of God, in his grace sending a savior to this world became a reality, a necessity. Well, are we under law today? Absolutely. There's no question about it. Over and over again in the New Testament, we read of spiritual law that we are under. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, the law of the spirit is, is mentioned. In Galatians 6, in verse 2, the law of Christ, the Apostle Paul writes. In James chapter 1, in verse 25, the law of liberty, James refers to. And in James chapter 2, in verse 8, he says, the royal law. Well, all of those are references to the spiritual law under which we live today. 
we need to understand a basic fundamental of sin and law and their relationship to each other. What if you're driving down the street and all of a sudden you see the police car with the lights flashing and the siren blaring coming right up behind you and giving you the signal to pull over to the side of the road. And you pull over and the policeman comes around to the driver's side and he says, you should have stopped at that last intersection. And you say, I did not see a stop sign there. I did not see a traffic light there. And the policeman responds by saying, there is no stop sign there. There is no traffic light there. But you should have stopped anyway, and I'm going to give you a ticket for not stopping. Now, we know that would be a ludicrous point of reasoning on the policeman's part. There is no stop sign. There is no traffic light. You cannot give me a citation for breaking a law that does not exist at that intersection because the citation would have to cite the breaking of a law. Now, we could carry that particular illustration on and make other applications along the way, but I just want you to get the sense of what we're talking about here. You see, sin cannot exist without law existing. John wrote in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Now, I believe the King James Version actually says what follows, sin is transgression of the law. Whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is transgression. The New King James Version simply says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Again, a logical point of reasoning. How can there be lawlessness, which would be sin, without law, spiritual law? Now, sin is talking about a spiritual reality. It is a spiritual act of breaking spiritual law, either overtly or covertly, either absolutely committing a sin or by not doing something that God has told us to do, which would be a sin of omission and but would still be sin. You see, we're talking about spiritual law having to be in place in order for the whole principle of sin to be active. What did John say there again? Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And, and sin is lawlessness. In order for there to be lawlessness, there has to be law. And since sin is lawlessness, then there has to be law for sin to exist. Well, we've already seen Romans 8 and verse 2, the law of the Spirit. Galatians 6 and verse 2, the law of Christ. James 1.25, the law of liberty. 
James 2 and verse 8, the royal law. And here in 1 John 3 and verse 4, we understand the application of those, of those verses of Scripture. God has given us spiritual law, the law of Christ. We must live by his teachings in order to be in harmony with God's will for our lives. Let's look a little bit further. In Romans chapter 3, if we turn over there, Romans chapter 3, and let's look at verse 20. Now, what does the Apostle Paul write here? Therefore, by the deeds of, his, by the deeds of the flesh, uh, I'm sorry, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, if we had the time, we could go into a, into a deeper study of, of what Paul is saying along this line when he's talking about how sin requires there to be law for sin to be sin. If there is no law, then there can be no sin. In fact, in chapter 5, in verse 13, he says, Romans chapter 5, verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Um, what, Paul? There is no reality of sin or consequence. In fact, you can't even call sin sin if there is no law. You see, law has to exist in order for there to be sin. In Romans chapter 7, in verse 8, but sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Without law, spiritual law, there is no sin. We cannot be sinful without transgressing or breaking spiritual law. Now, we're talking about spiritual matters here. Sin is a spiritual matter. And without spiritual law, there can be no sin. Let's look at this now from a logical perspective. If there is no law, there is no sin. And if there is no sin, then there's no condemnation. Because you see, condemnation comes as a result of sin in our life. So if there is no law, then there can be no sin. And if there is no sin, then there's no condemnation. And if there's no condemnation, then there's no need for forgiveness. And if there's no need for forgiveness, then there's no need for a Savior or God's grace. But we obviously need the Savior. And God knows that, and by his grace, he sent him to the cross to die, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins because we were guilty of transgressing God's law. It makes no sense. We could use very stark words like, it is absurd or ludicrous to suggest that we are not living under 
spiritual law today. Mankind has always lived under spiritual law from God. But for someone to say, we're not under law, we're just under grace, then that person needs to realize if we're not under law, any spiritual law from God, then we're not sinners. Because sin, by God's own word, in 1 John chapter 5, uh, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter um, 3 again, without sin, or without law, there is no sin. And then Paul, in three different verses, we read, or we pointed out, Romans 3 and verse 20, Romans 5 and verse 13, and Romans 7 and verse 8. He says the same thing John said in 1 John chapter 3. Sin is transgression of the law. And so without law, spiritual law, there can be no sin. And I was referring again to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. So if there is no law, then there is no sin. And if there is no sin, there's no condemnation. If there's no condemnation, there's no need for forgiveness. And if there's no need for forgiveness, why in the world was Jesus on that cross to die? He died to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. There's no getting around that because the Hebrews writer tells us exactly that. He tasted death for every man and that because of our sins. Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need forgiveness. We need a Savior because we become guilty of sin. And only through that Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can we find forgiveness and salvation by God's grace. We live under God's law, the law of Christ. We need to understand that and never let anyone, anyone, tell us otherwise. God expects a response of faithful, willing obedience to his offer to save us by his grace. Only by his grace can we be saved, but we must come to him in faith and obedience to receive that salvation by grace. Let's pray. Father, how we need your grace on an ongoing basis. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Guide us to come to you in faithful obedience for forgiveness. And Father, guide us to live faithfully before you. And we pray this for all mankind. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Hear our prayer. Help us to soften our hearts and to come to you in humble obedience. In Christ's name, amen.